What's up, guys, and welcome back to Back Pocket Topics. I'm Cooper. And I'm Scott. And today we have a very, very special episode for you guys with two uh, very distinguished guests joining us on the pod for the first time. If you two want to introduce yourselves, go right ahead. Yeah, what's good, y'all? Uh, my name is Malik. I'm, uh, I'm honored to be joining Back Pocket Topics for the first time. Uh, so thank you for having me over, Cooper and Scott. For sure, for sure. I'm Ryan Gleason. Thank you for having me, Scott and Cooper. Um, we'll have some good uh, sports topics to talk about today. Uh, yeah, we know both Malik and uh, Ryan Gleason, uh, Gleason from school, <laughs> from school, and yeah. So uh, we're gonna have guests on in the future episodes as well. But uh, Ryan and Malik wanted to be the first ones on, so. We're going to start off with just the uh, wild card recap and then move on to a couple of a little bit of a rant and then move on to some top five players in the NBA just for a little bit of uh, change of pace. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Cooper, I'll let you get us started with the 49ers versus the Seahawks. Yeah, so what we're going to do is going to go in chronological order. Um, One of us will probably intro the game and then everyone will get their little input how they feel about it. Um, since I'm starting off talking about uh, Niners in Seattle, um, I'm just going to go straight back to what I was saying in our last episode. The 49ers looked exactly like the team we thought they were. They looked pretty dominant throughout the whole game. I thought Brock Purdy played amazing. Um, obviously, Scott's going to give Shanahan a lot of the credit. It's easy to give guys like McCaffrey and Kittle and Debo credit too. But just all in all, I think, the 49ers, it was close for a little bit, which you can expect in a like division, interdivision matchup. But by the end of the game, you could just see that the 49ers were by far the better team. Honestly, I, it, they put up more points. The uh, Seahawks put up more points than I was expecting. I expected the Niners defense to be a little bit more locked down, that pass rush to get in there, be a little more disruptive and just... Um, like Talano Hufanga, he made an all pro team. Like, granted, should he have made that team no. over like Derwin James? Definitely not, but he's definitely a very talented player. And they've got talented players throughout that secondary and in the linebacker core and very well coached team. So I just w- expected them to just kind of eat the Seahawks alive. But to Geno Smith's credit, he stood in there, had a pretty solid game, threw for over 250 yards, had a nice deep shot to DK Metcalf, and it was just they they performed better than I was expecting, but at the end of the day, Kyle Shanahan was able to make an incredible was able to make an incredible game plan, and receivers were wide open across the field. Brock Purdy was playing very well. He had a couple of really good improvisational um, plays, but also just great plays in the flow of the offense. And the Forty ers looking like a scary team. Um, and yeah, Malik Gleason, anything to add? No, I mean, uh, I think you guys pretty much uh, hit it. Um, I think, look, I mean, the 49ers are just quoted on both uh, both sides of the ball. And, um, you know, when you have the, the coaching schemes of, you know, Mike Shanahan, you know, it makes Brock Purdy's life a lot easier. He's, you know, kind of able to steer it through. Um, you know, I think Brock Purdy made some really good throws, um, you know, the this past weekend. But, Thing. There are still a few throws where he's, you know, taking some risks that, you know, might not be uh, rewarded playing against the Cowboys. Uh, but I think apart from that, uh, you know, really solid game overall. Um, I mean, Mr. Relevant played 
one hell of a football game. I mean, Kyle Shanahan didn't scheme it up very well for him, and it helps that he has the pieces around him like George Kittle and Debo Samuel, who had a great game this weekend coming back from his injury uh, later in the season that he had, and Christian McCaffrey just showing the NFL who he is and not being injured this year was huge for the 49ers. It was the great, probably the most important trade of the season. Um, and then on defense, Nick Bosa and Fred Warner, they get it done for him. Nick Bosa getting pass rush all the time, and Fred Warner's the best linebacker in the NFL. It's not even close. Agreed. Um, I will say though, like that one Brock Purdy throw that um people were like that some pe- that that one account was like saying, oh, what a throw by Brock yeah, Purdy! Exactly. But then exactly it's inaccurate. You know. He's leading Rock. inside. It was like. He basically throws a kill shot to his receiver. Right. Like throws like that if against a secondary like like the Cowboys, for example, if that's Trevon Diggs with the ball skills that Trevon Diggs has or whatever, you need to have more pinpoint accuracy than that if you're gonna right. be able to hit those throws down the field against the Cowboys in the divisional. But at the end of the day, they got it done this week. So and they're moving on to the to the divisional and with the way they're playing, they're one of the more impressive teams in the entire wildcard weekend. So yeah, uh, but we'll move on to the next game, um, which is the Jags Chargers. Yes. yes. Yep. Okay. So I'll let uh, Malik or Ryan. Do you guys want to start us on this one? Or. Um. Yeah. Sure. I'll go ahead. Um. So I mean, it was uh, it was a tale of two halves. Uh. You had twenty-seven to zero in the first half with about twenty-seven seconds uh, left to go. And then you had 31-30 on a uh, game-winning field goal. Um, there's uh, nothing much uh, for me to say about this. I, I picked the Jags to win uh, that game. Now, I didn't think that this could happen based on uh, Trevor Lawrence throwing four picks in the first half and then uh, ending uh, ending up throwing you know, four touchdowns. Uh, but, um, you know, the Jags got it done, and uh, Doug Peterson was just the better coach on that on that field uh, that night. Uh, I don't think there's any question about it for it's anyone. Not that, not that hard to do. I'll coach um, Brandon Staley. I would definitely say Doug Peterson uh, showed us the coach he is like he did when he brought the Eagles to the Super Bowl. He looked like mm-hmm. his old coaching self, unlike the last few years he had in uh, – Philadelphia. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence staying undefeated on Saturday football and every plays on Saturday. I ain't picking against them, that's for sure. Respectfully. And then that Chargers team, the people to blame is Brandon Staley. He coached a terrible game. He chose to play Mike Williams and Joey Bosa in week 18 when he shouldn't have because they already had their position locked up in the playoffs. Mike Williams was hurt. I think he would have been a huge difference maker in this game. And Joey Bosa was losing it during this game. And I don't blame him because he was getting frustrated with his team. And when your defense gets five turnovers, you should be able to win a football game. It has never happened in NFL history where a team has had five turnovers and they've lost. I mean, that was just pathetic, that second half from the Chargers. It really shows the inability to run the football on the Chargers side side of things. Like when you're up 28 points or 27 points in a game, you should be able to just run the football, pound it down the opponent's uh, throat, waste time, move methodically down the down the field. You don't even have, you don't have to score twenty seven points again that half, but just score ten points and waste a ton of clock. But the Chargers have one of the worst rushing attacks, and really, the it was a one man show. Like it was Justin Herbert, 
versus the entire uh, Jaguars defense. And Justin Herbert, yeah, he could have looked a little bit better, but like he wasn't, he didn't look horrible. The main problem was just, oh, Austin Eckler is not a good running back. He's a good receiving back, but he can't run the ball to save his life. And fantasy football makes him way more relevant than he actually is. And then on the on the flip side of things, um, uh, they just didn't have a deep a deep uh, passing attack at all. Like every single one of their receivers, like it's been very well documented by in like on Twitter, on TikTok, um, on YouTube, on anything that the Chargers just have no good receivers right now. Keenan Allen probably owns a four nine forty. Mike Williams is always hurt, and then apart from that, they have nobody. They have to target. Uh, they they really should target someone in this draft. I have not looked too deeply into the receivers yet, but a receiver like Jalen Hyatt or a receiver like Jordan Addison could definitely add a very, a very good explosive part to this offense that will be desperately needed. And But just looking at Brandon Staley's point of things, I think that Brandon Staley is a very good defensive mind, but I don't think he's a good head coach, obviously. He made a terrible decision to play his guys. I think the offensive coordinator should be fired, but I think I'd... Brandon Staley should definitely be on the hot seat, but I'm not completely sold on him being fired, but I think he should probably, there's definitely a case for him to be fired is what I'm saying. No, and with I, all due respect, Brandon Staley needs to get his ass out of Los Angeles. There's no <laughs> way that as a team, you go into the second half up 20 plus points. And you know how many rushing yards they had in that second half? You already touched on this. Negative three. Wow. Negative three rushing mm-hmm. yards the entire second half. And yeah, we've been touching on the fact that Eckler might not be as good as a running back that fantasy football and his like receiving numbers make him out to be. That can't be his fault. Enti- not entirely, at least. I-, I don't think they were running the ball enough in general in the second half. And Brandon Staley has been getting a lot of hate lately, but I do think that it's justified. I feel like if I loaded into a Madden game up 20 points with and with a half to go, I could have managed a better football game. I don't understand how, like, I don't know. How does that even happen? Yeah, to give your starting running back 13 carries in the entire game when you're up 27 points at one point yeah. is just a little questionable, a little, little head-scratching. Yeah, and, and I will say before we uh, move on to the next game, I think, you know, one play that if Justin Herbert could take back in the third quarter, he overshot Keenan Allen. Uh, in the end zone, I think it was on uh, third down, Keenan Allen sets the block, and then he goes straight in, and, you know, he's wide open, and Herbert just overshot him. I think that play, if there's one play you can take back from the Chargers side of things, that's the one play you'd want back, because that, you know, that maybe could have just changed the, you know, the landscape of things for the Jaguars. Um, in terms of their mindset. I also think that Brandon Staley, who has made a name for himself for, you know, going on fourth down, just got way too conservative. You know, you you went for, you know, field goals that normally in the regular season, you're going for fourth downs all the time. That's your calling card. Um, You know, go for it at that point, because, you know, you see the Jaguars are coming back and, you know, take that risk, go on that fourth down. You have Justin Herbert as your quarterback. Take that risk. If you get a first down, you know, you hold off the Jaguars from, you know, getting that ball back. Yeah, no. And one other thing, if I – Brandon Saley was way too conservative in that game, just like Malik said. 
he needs to grow a pair of balls and start throwing the ball deep with that team. You have Justin Herbert, top three arm talent in the league, can put the ball anywhere, can throw the ball anywhere on the field as far as he can, and you're just running check downs with him to Austin Eckler the whole game or slants to Keenan Allen. Like That's just not good football, and it's it would happen in a few other games this weekend. Yeah, and – I mean, you say, Scott, you were talking about, like, the lack of wide receiver depth and, like, the deep game in general. Um, I feel like I'm thinking of a guy, a specific guy, that's a pretty good deep threat that, you know, maybe maybe would have played in that playoff game if Staley hadn't trotted him out there in a meaningless Week 18 game. So just yeah. horrible management of injuries, horrible management of the clock, and, I mean, give credit to the Jaguars, man. They stuck around. It's pretty easy to give up like that. Trevor Lawrence, um, despite a rough first half, I think he definitely turned it around second half. And shows, one other thing. It shows really good mental toughness on, on the team of the Jaguars. And just really good coaching. They're a really well-coached team to be able to turn that around. What and one, say, other, um, if you, one thing that I think is going under un, unnoticed right now is actually uh, Travis Etienne. I think his injury last year really set him back, obviously. But he's come onto the scene for that Jaguars team, and he's given them the spark they've needed. And Trevor Lawrence and him having that connection is wonderful. And that third down play to end the game when he ran, or I think it was third or fourth down. I don't remember correctly. I think it was fourth down. Fourth down. They yeah. ran the ball to ETN. He just hit the Jets, got to the outside, got a 25-yard game, yeah. set him up for a chip shot field goal, and not missing it like the Cowboys did today, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe how how many extra points they missed today. Well, hey, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, I think we've touched all the bases on that game. Uh, we can move on to Bills Dolphins. Um, I can I can just intro real quick. I mean, this was a game that Scott and I talked about it. I would imagine that the majority of NFL fans would think that this would just this was just going to be an absolute blowout. I mean, it was the I want to say that the Dolphins were the biggest playoff underdog of all time. I'm pretty sure. And I'll be they correct. were able to stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just really sloppy football from like like Josh Allen having uh, three turnovers this game, um, two picks and a fumble, I believe. And mm-hmm. just like the Dolphins didn't offense was not very like explosive. They weren't very good either. Like Skylar, Skylar Thompson had two picks as well. And Really, it was the Dolphins' defense and just the defense um, just capitalizing on turnovers. That was how they were able to score 31 points. Like, if you just watch that offense, like, they weren't super – they weren't moving the ball well. They weren't really doing anything particularly well. But they just capitalized on the Bills' turnovers. And, yeah, they forced – they blitzed Josh Allen a lot, I'm pretty sure, and just forced him into some – errors that's what's holding josh allen back from being the best quarterback in football or even a top two quarterback like joe burrow is probably is definitely playing like the better quarterback right now and um justin herbert probably not playing probably not better than josh allen but definitely starting to enter that conversation and i don't know uh they the bills had a lot of explosive plays like both gabe davis and stefan diggs went for over 100 yards josh allen threw for like 350 and but it was just a sloppy game on his part, so, um, turning the ball over a ton. And, yeah. Malik, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I just had, you know, two main takeaways from this game. One, you know, Josh Allen, as high 
are the peaks as low are, you know, the lows. And that's really what describes him. I mean, that throw to Stefan Diggs from, you know, one hash all the way uh, to the other one. I mean, that you know, that's about it. That's, you know, throw maybe only he can make in the league. But on the flip side of things, and I just found this out today, Josh Allen had a combined over 30 fumbles plus interceptions in the league. That's by far the most over Dak Prescott and Justin Fields, by the way, played for a team with basically no receivers. There you go. So that's that's the, the story with Josh Allen at this point is, you know, he the the talent is there. He has all the tangibles in the world, but you know, it's the decision making that's gonna, you know, really change the game for the Bills, you know, when they play the uh Bengals this uh this weekend. Uh, as far as the Dolphins go, I think, you know, Mike McDaniel shot that team, you know, in the foot, uh, you know, with the late play calls, you know, they, you know, they let the clock run out so many times and it's just, I, I don't understand what was going on, but, you know, they, they were just completely not in sync and Skylar Thompson got screwed over because of, you know, late play calls coming in from Mike McDaniel. So the very last second. Yeah, no. So takeaways I got from this game are the Bills offense is very good, but way too sloppy. Stefan Diggs is a top five receiver in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. He showed it in this game with having the most receiving yards out of anybody. Um, and that Bills defense, as injured as they are, I'm not, they played a very good game f- for them with how injured they've been. Their secondary is destroyed. They don't have Von Miller, so they won't have a pass rush. And on the Dolphins' side, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wall can't be dropping that many footballs. They are two top 10 receivers in the league. Jalen Wall, maybe not top 10, but at least top 15. They should not be dropping all those footballs. That was very bad on their part. And for the coaching from Mike McDaniel, I think the reason why he was struggling to get the play calls out was because he's too busy hitting his vape on the sideline, which I thought was hilarious when I saw that. I was like, there's no way this man is hitting the vape on the sideline. You gotta have some balls to do that, but <laughs> but I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, Skylar Thompson, I wasn't expecting anything from him. I mean, two interceptions. I honestly thought he was gonna throw three to four in this game. With like, even though with those receivers, I thought that Bills defense would come a little bit better. And yeah, no, there wasn't too much exciting besides for the fact that this game took four to five hours, and it yeah. was the longest game. ever. Ever. I was like, how is this game not over yet? And I was like, I'm checking the score every so often. I'm like, wait, it's 34 to 31. I'm like, how are the Dolphins about to win this game? Like, it was very interesting to say the least. For sure, for sure. And honestly, for me, by the end of it, I was kind of just rooting for absolute chaos. Just see if the Dolphins could pull out the win, uh, mm-hmm. ruin Scott's bracket. That would have been great. <laughs> Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you guys touched on a lot of the main points. Um, realistically, uh, if it weren't for that sloppy play by the Bills offense, the Dolphins had no business even being in that game. Um, and yeah, I think that just all in all, that's something that the Bills, if they're going to, you know, continue to be seen as this like contender, obviously they're a contender, they're the two seed, they're still in the playoffs. They really, really, really have to clean up their play on offense. Especially, um, I would imagine that their next game against the Bengals is going to be an absolute shootout. 
and to score as many points to keep up with that Cincinnati offense, you got to play some good football. Uh, yeah, uh, for sure. It's definitely going to be a really fun game between the Bills and the Bengals next uh, next week. But, yeah, let's move on to uh, the... I just got one more thing to say, That's actually. Fine. I forgot about this point. Go for um, it. That Bills offense right now is missing Brian Dable. Brian Dable was the reason that offense was so well-oiled last year, weren't making mistakes because he's a great offensive coordinator, great coach, and I think they're really missing him this year, especially. If they have Brian Dable, I think they're winning the Super Bowl, no doubt about it, this year. I think the person that missed him the most was definitely Josh Allen, Mm -hmm. for sure. I mean, he still had a good year. Obviously, it's Josh Allen, but I do think that the way that Dable was able to scheme things up for him and make things as easy for him as possible um, last year wasn't seen as much this year. Yeah, sure. while being able to capital like being able to build an offense like that to be able to make it easy for him while capitalizing on his strengths and making sure he can still throw the ball downfield and just be Josh Allen is was just really incredible and they're definitely missing it a lot. But this is a perfect segue to go yeah. from the Bills Brian Dable to the New York Giants, who are very, very, very grateful that Brian Dable is now their head coach because he is the coach of the year this year and coached an incredible playoff game in his first playoff game as a head coach um just making daniel jones's life really easy but daniel jones still played really well throwing for over 300 yards two touchdowns really efficient football and just good yeah daniel jones is running well he's passing well isaiah hodgins is getting involved really out of nowhere and um isaiah hodgins um i don't know if you guys saw but isaiah hodgins posted a picture of his ankle um, before the game, it was literally swollen. Like before, before the game, his ankle was swollen to like the size of a, a like a like a balloon, and and it was like all bruised up and like and he still was able to go out there and put up a hundred yards. That just shows the will and the like how much this team wants it. Like they struggled with injuries throughout this game too. Like there was times Kayvon Thibodeau was hurt, Aziz Ojolari got ruled out for the, ruled out for the game. That's two both of their edge rushers gone. But they were able to still stick in there, and they really were able to shut down the Vikings. They held Justin Jefferson to under 50 receiving yards in a playoff game, which was definitely part of the game plan going in. And I don't know. Saquon was able to run all over them. They didn't even feed him ball that much. Um, But when he had the ball, he capitalized on it, having um, pretty uh, that long, um, having two touchdowns on it and getting involved in the receiving game as well. And just really well-coached game. You can see that this team is inspired. It's going to be really fun to watch the NFC East showdown between the Eagles and the uh, Giants next week. Yep. I just got one question, uh, but I got to put my glasses on for this. Big Kirko, what happened to this? (laughs) What happened to this? Um, I had nothing much to say. Uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, just um, he played a decent game. Like he didn't deliver when it matters. Kirk and, and uh, Kirk. right, right now does. in uh, in New York, uh, they are calling Daniel Jones Two Chains Vanilla Vic right now. That's uh, <laughs> that's God. his new name. <laughs> um, so takeaways I had from this game was that Vikings defense was horrendous. They they got injured late in the year. They looked horrible coming down the stretch, and I knew I expected that was going to be their big downfall in the playoffs was their defense. 
Those, that offense is high powered as it is. That def, the Giants defense keeping JJ's under 50 yards after giving him 130, I think it was in their first matchup. They knew that what they had to do to win because that's the reason the Vikings won the first time. If they shut down Justin Jefferson, they knew they could win this game. And I think Kevin O'Connell needs to uh, reevaluate his team this year because I think they might want to move on from Kirk as quarterback, even though I don't think Kirk had a bad game, but I think he's just, he's not enough of an impact player on the Vikings to make any big plays when needed and showed in the last play of the game. He checked it down. I mean, McConnell doing two corner routes with two check downs on the last play of the game was pretty dumb in my opinion, because you're not giving him any options defense. That's the easiest thing to cover on the last play of the game. Like they know you want to go on the outside. If you don't put anyone over the middle, it's going to, they're going to stop it. And Brian Dable, oh my God, is he the greatest coach this season? Like it's showing like this Giants team was expected to go three and four or three to four wins at most this year. Scott, don't laugh at me. <laughs> I got a little confused there, right? Yeah, I know. I, I said it wrong. Um, but I mean, he turned this team around. He got some fire in their stomachs or something because they started out the season hot. They ended the season not so great, but they start turning it on at the right time. And let's just say the last time the the Giants won their first playoff game, they won a Super Bowl. The time before that, they won a Super Bowl as well. So I think they got a pretty good chance of uh, beating the Eagles this weekend, I'd say. I don't know if I'd call it. They win the Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you never know. know I'd call it a good chance to beat the Eagles, but I do think that the fact that they're two division rivals is definitely going to play play into it. I think the Giants definitely have the most momentum in the playoffs going right now. Um, Definitely, just feeling feeling all that energy coming off a big upset. I think they're going to carry that into the next round, and I do think it'll be a close game. Um, I think the Eagles are going to win, but I do think it'll be a close game. Um, as I sat down to watch this game, I watched that first Vikings drive on offense and Justin Jefferson had like probably 40 yards and what was almost a touchdown on that first drive. And I was just like, Oh my God, they're, the giants are screwed. Jefferson's going to eat them up. It's going to, it's over. This game's over. And then you guys, I mean, everyone touched on it. They shut him down throughout the rest of the game. Um, obviously that ended up being key. I do think that. Uh, Saquon Barkley is reaffirming my take that he's the best running back in the NFL. Scott doesn't agree with that. No, I, oh. I agree with that. No, you said Chubb. I said, well, that was literally like week three when I was okay. still waiting to see what Saquon was fair, was going to do. Like I, I was just being a little conservative, but Saquon is the best running back Brandon in football. Staley. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I mean, <laughs> I just you look, right. uh, the not, nine carries for 50. 53 yards, you talked about that, um, the two touchdowns, the involvement in the pass game. But even you can just tell the impact that Saquon has on opposing defenses. Um, Dable did a great job of using Saquon as a gadget on a lot of plays. Like the the Giants would fake like they're going to throw it out to Saquon on a little like out route and then turn around and flip the screen pass the other way. Or play action, um, the whole Vikings front seven would crash down to try and stop Saquon. But, oh, Daniel Jones throws it out to Hodgins for, a, like, a 20-yard gain. And that was definitely really, really big. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what else I missed. Oh, that last play, like, I, I, 
Kirk Cousins just can't beat the can't win meaningful games allegations. He can't do it. I, I, nope. Time and time again, this guy plays out of his noon window in like a random game in Minnesota, and he just shits the bed. It happens every time. I don't understand why you're throwing a little check down on that last play. And um, Gleason mentioned the play design might not have been all that good. But just in general, I feel like if I if the game's on the line, I'm throwing to a top three receiver in football. I'm throwing it to the top player on my team. I'm getting Justin Jefferson the ball if the game's on the line. I that's just me personally. Yeah, number like, one receiver, especially because um, like Kirk Cousins' problem has always been his conservativeness to like not throw past the past the sticks on like third down. Like even like even if um that ball was accurate to Hawkinson at the end of the game. Like that decision just baffles me because he was still like, it was, he still like seven yards to go after he caught that ball in order to even hit the first down, not even just get out of bounds, not even do any of that. Like seven yards after breaking a tackle and the ball needed to be perfect. So we could hit it and stride to do it. But instead rather than just chucking it up to Justin Jefferson, like you said, or Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen's a great receiver, too, who can come down with some crazy catches. Like, he's got some of... If you look at his highlights through his career, Adam Thielen has come down with some incredible uh, catches. And while you might look at the um, stat sheet and or the box score, Kirk Cousins, his, he threw a very efficient game, um, pretty solid um, box score numbers, but then he just doesn't have that it factor. He doesn't have that dog in him to um, just make the big time throws in the big time moments. And yeah, he, he's, that's just what's always held him back from being uh, more than an average quarterback in football. But yeah, we can move on to the Ravens versus the Bengals in the AFC North battle. Um, does anyone want to get us started on that? Um, um, I'll start, actually. Um, the Ravens, they screwed up this offseason. They should have paid Lamar before the season started. That was their fault. They win this game if Lamar is playing, without a doubt, because they kept that game close with Tyler Huntley, a quarterback. He fumbles on the two-yard or on the one-yard line. I mean, I don't know why you don't give it to your running back to run it in, respectfully. Like, Tyler Huntley, I'm not trusting him with the ball with the game on the line. I'm giving it to anybody else on my team. And the Ravens' defense is unbelievable. They spent the money there this offseason, or spent the money there paying Roquan Smith. It did help them a lot, but without paying Lamar, it really screwed them over. And on the Bengals' side, Joe Burrow, great playoff quarterback. I think he's pretty much the next Brady. I mean, the way he plays, he's a great quarterback he doesn't lose he doesn't turn the ball over much um jamar chase is a great receiver and having him on that team helps them so much with that connection with joe burrow from college but i think they need to use t higgins and joe Mixon a little bit more in these games because those are two players that bring the it factor to, to that offense jamar chase is going to get double covered in this next game you need to be able to find t higgins and joe Mixon, and you need to use them Joe Mixon has been underutilized since his five-touchdown game earlier on this season. And I think if they lose next week, it's because they didn't involve Joe Mixon and Tyler, T. Higgins. 
Uh, yeah, so you're basically just agreeing with J.K. Dobbins that if Lamar, like that's such a such a bold quote by uh, J.K. Dobbins to just basically throw Tyler Huntley under the bus and be like, "Yo, if we had Lamar, we would have won that game." He like, did come. He did come back later and say that it wasn't entirely his fault. I feel like oh, okay. a majority of the second, like if you watched the full clip, he was putting a lot of blame on the coaches as well. That, the whole yeah. the whole thing seems off there. Like, just um, the offensive scheme is just so like weird. Like the the Ravens are just like such an outlier in the NFL by just being this ground and pound team that will just not like Lamar Jackson. This offense built around Lamar Jackson was like really successful that one year, but like since then. I feel like this offense just underperformed each year and then it's held it back. And then now they're not even going to pay Lamar maybe. And what are they going to do from there? They're just going to enter a rebuild. They're going to trade Lamar. Who knows? Like I'm just, just this whole team just has really weird vibes coming from it. And I'm not sure what to think of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, my, my biggest question was, you know, is Tyler Huntley think he's Cam Newton um, and Superman <laughs> Back in the day, um, you know, I don't know what you're trying to do there. You're not Lamar Jackson. Uh, that's a great play that, that uh, Logan Wilson made. And I will say the Bengals have in an underrated defense when you look at it overall. Um, you know, they have some really good players on that side of the ball. I didn't think Joe Burrow played a particularly great game. He played, you know, like, you know, what he needed to to get the win. Um, but I, you know, I do agree with J.K. Dobbins. You put Lamar in that game, they probably, you know, you know, go home with the win. Now, I wouldn't have made that quote out in public, but uh, yeah, that's a story for a different day. Um, but you know, I think where the Ravens stand at this point, yeah, they're, you know, um, I don't know if they're gonna, you know, franchise tag them. Um, I think the way things are, you know, shaping up, it's headed for a divorce. But, you know, at the same time, this is, you know, Lamar has every right to be upset, uh, upset with the Ravens. When you look at the contract that Deshaun's gotten, you know, it's like, you know, Deshaun's done what exactly? Like he's made a Pro Bowl? Like what has he exactly done? Yeah, 250 million guarantee. <laughs> you know, Lamar is an MVP winner. I just don't get why, you know, you pay Deshaun that much, but, you know, you're not paying Lamar at this point. So, um, you know, that's just my take on it. But, you know, I think the Ravens have uh, a lot of things to do this offseason to, you know, get back to, um, you know, doing well in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. And it's definitely uh, easy to say that Lamar is a better person as well. <laughs> uh, um, and I try to avoid that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, that's a big uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's not. I feel like you guys touched on a lot of um, a lot of the points that were necessary. Um, I would agree with you, Malik, that Burrow didn't look all that impressive, but he did get the job done, and he did do what he needed to do. Yeah. Um, and with that, I think we could segue ourselves into uh, tonight's game. The Buccaneers versus the Cowboys. And me personally, I'm just going to sit back and uh, let Gleason handle this one. Okay. If you want to give a little background on why you care so much. Well, 
as most people know who are watching this podcast, because most of these kids will be go to Fremder Palatine, I am a big Brady fan. I started liking him first after the first game of football I watched. I watched him destroy the Bears. I was like, I ain't turning back from this quarterback. I ain't watching the Bears. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but watching this game, it was pathetic. I mean, Brady didn't play all that great. He was missing throws. But also, the scheme they were putting up on offense was ridiculous. I think they may have had 20 to 30 screen calls in this game, and Micah Parsons was just eating them up on this game. I mean, he was getting pressure on Brady the whole game. They didn't try and help Donovan Smith uh, protect Brady with Leonard Fournette or Rasheed White, which they should have because they needed Brady to get time in the pocket. And then they weren't running anything downfield. Mike Evans had a bunch of targets. He dropped a touchdown pass at the, at the end of the game. He's been He's had these problems all season long. I think Godwin's fumble problem, luckily, didn't get called, but it, I think it was a fumble. But we are lucky that didn't happen. Um, Dak Prescott played a great game. I'm going to admit that. I thought he was going to have another game like he did against the Commanders. But Todd Bowles, worst NFL coach this season besides for Nathaniel Hackett. He doesn't know how to game plan. His strength is supposed to be defense. He let the Cowboys put up 31 on his head, giving them wide-open receivers all night. CeeDee Lamb scores on a wide-open touchdown. How is the best player on the Cowboys offense not getting covered on the third down play? Or no, actually no, it's fourth down. Late in the game, you still kind of have a chance of coming back. But, I mean, and he's just too conservative. It was fourth and three at the 50-yard line. You have a little bit of momentum. It's you're down 14. It's before the half. You got to go for that. I mean, if you're not going for that in a playoff game, if you miss it, so what? But I'm trusting Tom Brady with the ball. I think he would have delivered on that play, and I think that's the thing. Todd Bowles didn't trust him. Bruce Arians trusted him in the seasons before. He put he won the ball downfield, and that's the reason why this team was good because they were an effective down the field team with two great receivers. And Julio Jones, what a game he had today! I mean, for not playing most of the season and being forgotten about these last few years, he reminded me of his old self. He was looking great out there, but it was just it was a lackluster performance by the Bucks. And I don't think Brady's retiring. I think he's going wherever Sean Payton goes. That's for sure. And is that where your, um, your allegiances are going to go then too, Ryan? Yes, I will be going to whatever team Tom Brady goes to. Respectfully, I can't watch the Buccaneers anymore with Todd Bowles at their head coach. <laughs> Maybe they fire Todd Bowles and they get Sean Payton down in Tampa and Brady stays, but I don't think they would do that. Um, I yeah, I have one request to Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. Either retire, go home, spend time with the kids, or go to a different team. This Buccaneers stuff ain't working out anymore. Um, And to Donovan Smith, get lost. Go somewhere, refresh your mind, because I don't know what you're doing, but you had 76 penalties this entire season. I understand you're a rookie, but that is unacceptable. You say it, I mean, you, you just cannot do that. And I don't know why they're not trying to, you know, put two guys on Micah Parsons. I don't know what Todd Bowles is doing, but the Buccaneers are an absolute mess. 
Um, I don't, uh, you know, they have reverted back to the Jameis Winston days at this point. And Tom Brady, hey, whoa, 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 um, whoa, whoa, go whoa. home. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady, no Jameis Winston out here. He didn't throw 30 picks this year. I, okay? I, I'm just saying, I mean, you know, I, they I were very, they're going back to the old Bucks ways of being very dysfunctional. That is correct. And why yeah. they're the most losing franchise in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and Tom Brady, you know, go to a different team or just go home. Call, call it quits. You got nothing else to prove. Not like he has a wife to go home to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a season this turned out to be that. Yeah. yeah. Good, good thing he sacrificed his marriage for a first round exit. Nine season. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> oof. Definition <laughs> of oof. <laughs> Scott, you got something to say? I, I didn't. I didn't really watch this game. Um, I only got to see part of it because I had to go coach my incredible fifth and sixth grade basketball team. Um, but yeah, just echoing all, what all you guys said, and I can, I'm ready to move on if you guys are. Um, yeah, I'm good with that. I, I will say real quick, um, just looking at this box score right now, uh, I think it's time to move on from Ezekiel Elliott. 13 carries, 27 yards. That's 2.1 yards per carry. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like he's kind of slow. He doesn't have that same, uh, like, jump as he used to back when he was uh, a little bit younger, a little bit less fat. Um, and I think it's time <laughs> to turn over the reins to Tony Pollard in that backfield. They fed him I, a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely do agree that Tony Pollard should be taking over that backfield. But I think they should still keep Zeke around because he's still a great pass blocking run running back, and Pollard can't do anything. I mean, during the game, he was getting run over whenever he had to try and help, and Zeke would stand his ground. So I think they should keep him around, but I think it's one more year for Zeke, and I think they should let him go. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I will also say that I think Zeke brings, you know, the power running aspect. If you need, you know, two yards for, you know, first down, for, you know, converted fourth down, you need someone to power it through. That's where you bring Zeke in. Um, I think Pollard works great, you know, not only as a receiving back, but he's explosive. He's fast, um, very elusive. But I think you still keep Zeke, you know, as Brian mentioned, for, you know, not only, uh, you know, pass blocking, but also, you know, that he's able to bring that, you know, the power running aspect into the Cowboys running game. Yeah, that, that's fair. Here's the thing, though. Like, if you're just having Zeke, for like power running and pass blocking, um, I feel like you can get yeah, you can get that yeah. a lot cheaper than yeah. like you can draft a fourth round running back to do just that. Like that's what Brian Robinson was drafted for this in this past draft. He was the full, sole reason he was drafted was because he was a big guy, like six one two thirty, and he could pass block. And at this point, I think you can find that in the fourth round, the fifth round for. Fraction of what you're paying Zeke, like For Zeke's sure. Zeke's name, incredible. He's gonna sell tickets. He's gonna buy sell jerseys, but he's he gonna win you football games. No, he's not. So not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. What once was was incredible, but we're not there anymore. For sure. Yep. Um, so now we can just move on. I think real quick, just in the for the sake of time, um, we're already over the 40 minute mark, I think we could just, each one of us could real quick just say like who you think based off of that first week, or maybe you think it's a team that had a buy is going to win the Super Bowl. 
Um, I'm going to start. I'm going to stick with my original pick, the Niners. Uh, I thought they looked good. Offense, defense. Um, and I think they'll think they'll think they'll bring it home. Um, I I want to stick with my Bills pick, even though it didn't look incredible after the first um the first week of uh playoff games. But if it's not the Bills, just um I don't know. I think I'm just gonna stick with the Bills just for now. Like if the Bills lose this week against Cincy, then I'll probably move to I don't really know actually, but I'm gonna stick with the Bills for now. Yeah. Okay. Stick with my stick with my pick. Um, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. Um, I think uh, you know, coming off the, the bye, they're gonna be energized. Um, you still have, you know, the offensive mastermind in Andy Reid um on the sidelines. You got the best quarterback in the league in Patrick Mahomes. And you also have the the monster tight end first ballot Hall of Famer in Travis Kelsey, uh, who's still instilling fear in all, you know, defensive players. So yeah, I'm still going with the Chiefs. Um, they don't have that wide receiver one. Uh, but I think the way that Mahomes has been playing, spreading the wealth around, I think Jared McKinnon has really been, you know, coming alive as a as a pass catcher uh these past few weeks. Um and that defense is looking a lot better. Uh Chris Jones had an outstanding year, outstanding season. Um, and you know, that defense, um, you know, it's it's that great, but I think it can still hold up against you know, some of the more um, explosive offenses like the Bills or the Bengals. Definitely. Um, I'm going to rock with my man, my new quarterback, Brady Retires, Joe Shiesty, baby. He's he's winning it all this year. They lost last year. I think they win that game if they just have one, one offensive lineman that was better than anyone on that line last year. I mean, Jesse Bates is an unbelievable safety. He's top five, I think. He's very underrated in this league. Trey Hendrickson is a underrated pass rusher. He was getting to the quarterback all night. But the only concern I'm going to have is going to be Eli Apple. I mean, he's an okay corner. But, I mean, he gets burned way too often. He got burned for an easy touchdown against the Ravens with the worst wide receivers in the league probably, if not bottom five. Like, as long as Eli Apple is able to not get burned in a game – I think the Bengals will win the Super Bowl this year. But out of the NFC, it would be the 49ers. I mean, but I think it's going to be the Bengals. I could see the Eagles coming out of the NFC too, though. Like, they're a very well-built team with not not very many holes. It just depends on how well they come. They can bounce back with uh, Jalen Hurts getting back in the lineup. If they can go back to the way they were playing before, like earlier in the season, once with Jalen Hurts back, then I don't see a reason why the – Eagles wouldn't be able to make it to the Super Bowl for sure. For for sure, so I don't know. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. Does that does that segue us into our next topic? Um, yeah. We're gonna go with a little NBA action, which we haven't done in a little bit. Um, I, I forget whose idea this was. I think it was Gleason's idea. Um, yeah. For the four of us to go through our top five players in the NBA right now. Uh, do you guys want to do it go first? Wait, do you guys want to do it how like we each say our number five, we each say our number four, or do we all want to just say our rankings? Or how about we should we each talk about our rankings and then just talk about it? Or like, how are we gonna do this? I feel like we should go like each of us say our number one, each of us say our number two, each of us say okay. our number three. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. want to start at one or start at five? 
Start at five. Alright. Let's let Malk go first, considering he is the NBA expert here compared to the rest of us. Um all right, so at number five, I'm gonna go with a tie here. Um, for uh, Tatum or Wait, hold on, hold on, I need a pick. Okay, okay. Uh, I'll go Tatum. Tatum at five. Okay. Who is the other player you're thinking about? KD. Okay. Wow. Actually. <laughs> right. Um, I will go with my number five. It's going to be LeBron. I mean, he's playing unbelievable at the age of 39, I think he is, or 38. He's leading this Laker team. I think... Anthony Davis comes back healthy. Russell Westbrook's playing well. I think they do have a shot at making the playoffs. And I think if they make the playoffs, they're going to be a very annoying team to deal with. Um, my number five, it was between two players for me. It was between Kevin Durant and Joel Embiid. Um, and it's just really tough. The top seven guys are all so high to rank. Like You could really make an argument for any of them. But I think I'm going to put Kevin Durant at five. Um, yeah, you just mentioned Joel Embiid. I totally forgot about Embiid, but he would be in the conversation for number five. Um, and for me at number five, I'm going to agree with Malik. I'm going with Jason Tatum from the Celtics. I toyed with the idea of tossing Steph Curry there, but um, as of late, battling that injury, he hasn't looked as impressive. So I'm going to go with Tatum. Are you at number four, Malik? All right, uh, number four, I'm going to go with Giannis. What? What? For for this season, I'm not talking about he, he's been very dominant the past two seasons. I just feel like this season, and, it, you know, a lot of it has to do with the overall, you know, team roster. They're decimated by injuries, and they're really missing Chris Middleton right now. But I, I you know, for this year, I'm going to put Giannis at number four right now. Uh, that's fair, but like I guess the way I view rankings is I will like obviously weigh the current year and the current version of that player like the most, but I'm still gonna be considering their past year, past two years, just because we know how good of a player they are. You're not gonna just suddenly fall off a cliff, and Giannis hasn't fallen off a cliff at all. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know, but like yeah, if you if you're just deciding to value this one year a lot more, then that's totally valid by you. So yeah, yeah. Um. So for my number four, I was deciding between my three and four on who to put a three and four. But at number four, I'm going to go with Luca. I mean, he is an unbelievable player. He plays the game totally different than anyone else. He doesn't use any athletic ability. He's showing he up with these white guys. I know. What do you mean? He's got the highest vertical on the Mavericks, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, he's he's playing great right now. He's carrying one of the a terrible, terrible Mavericks team right now to be in the playoffs and I think anytime you're going to face Luka you're going to have a problem with him because he's going to drop 30 in every single playoff game if not high 20 point games because you just can't stop him because he moves so different compared to everyone else and I think he's just unbelievable um I'm going to agree with you, uh, Ryan. I've got Luca at number four. The only thing holding him back is that his play style is just so ball dominant. It's so yeah. like he, I'm just trying to think about how he would mesh with another star, how he would convert to like winning basketball with another star. Like he's amazing at carrying a team. He's an amazing floor raiser. But how high is he going to push push the ceiling on a team? I don't know. That's why I have him at four. But you just can't um, you can't look past the fact that he's just putting out some 
video game like numbers every single night and it's unreal. But yeah, he's gonna be at, he's gonna be at number four. Was unbelievable. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um yeah, I agree. With, I also have Luca at four. Um thirty four points a game on fifty percent shooting, nine rebounds, nine assists. Uh MVP numbers as of right now. All right. All right. Uh, for number three here, um, I'm going to go with uh, the troll monster, Embiid. Really? Yeah. He's uh, top it. 10 in defensive win shares right now. Um, offensively, having a monster season. I think he's number two right now in the uh, scoring, or he might be number one. I'm not sure. He's tied with um, Luca. I'm pretty sure for number. Yeah, one. Uh, but you know, top three and you know, defensive winchers. He has been dominant both ends of the court. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think right now, you know, I'm just considering it overall. I I put him being at three. Yeah, no. Um, I think James Harden is definitely helping Embiid. I think that. Sure. Could- it takes a huge <laughs> yeah. load off of Embiid, and he's able to just sure. go ridiculous down in the paint because there's no center that can guard him in the league. But for my number three, I'm going to have Kevin Durant. Before his injury, he was playing unbelievable. He was carrying that Brooklyn team. He's been playing amazing defense this season, something people underlook in his game, I think, in the past. I think he's always been a pretty solid defender, but this year he's been playing great. He's been able to deal with the headache, Kyrie Irving. I mean, Kyrie still is a great player, but Kyrie is a headache to deal with. And I think Kevin Durant was going on an unbelievable stretch where he's shooting super efficiently, which he always does because he can shoot over anybody. Like, you can't block him at all, and you can't defend him. But, yeah, so he's going to be my number three. My number three is going to be Steph Curry. And I think that despite like the Warriors not performing the way you want them to and just that whole situation there. I think that what Steph Curry's done this year, he's scoring nearly 30 points a game on an incredibly efficient clip and he's playmaking well. He's playing pretty good defense. He's um, moving without the ball incredibly well. He's just doing Steph Curry things. And I think that and he's just an incredible player. And I think he can, he's not going to fall out of the top three anytime soon. For me, at number three, I've got uh, reigning MVP, Nikolai Jokic. Um, Triple-double machine. um, Bit of an unconventional play style, as well as Luka. Um, But I think it's pretty hard to leave Jokic out of definitely the top five, even the top three. I feel like it's pretty hard to leave him out of there. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, moves the ball super well on offense. is the best player on the best team in the league right now. That's um, pretty much all I gotta say. Yeah. Um, at number two, I am going to go with the Joker. Um, best uh, best team uh, in the. I think they have the or maybe the second best record in the NBA overall, but uh, you know, tied for first in the West. Um, he is obviously uh, can't jump to save his life. Um, but you know, the, the things he's able to do offensively, you know, the, the vision he has passing the ball, um, and you know, the touch he has, uh, in the post and, you know, for layups, I think what he 
you know, is able to do carrying the offensive load for the Nuggets, um, you know, it's just pretty extraordinary. So my number two is going to be Steph Curry. I think he's the, still the best point guard in the league. He is the reason that Golden State team went to the finals last year. He showed it because he's finally got his finals MVP deserved. Should have won it over Iguodala that one year, but don't need to talk about that. And, I mean, he was shooting unbelievably efficient, just like uh, Scott was saying earlier. Um, he's passing the ball better than he has any time in his career. He's rebounding the ball really well for how small he is, and he's playing some great defense that I think is going underlooked. I mean, for how small and how bad people say he is at defense, he's not a liability on that Golden State team on defense. I think Clay Thompson's that liability now. Yeah, the only the only problem I have with that so far is that that means that you're either leaving out Giannis or you're leaving out Jokic. I'm I'm not sure which one it is, but you just left one of those guys off your list. I'll yeah, explain I'll my reasoning after. All right. It'll be interesting to see. But my number two, I'm going to agree with Moloch. I'm going to have uh, Nikola Jokic, and it's just because he's playing. He's just he's such a good passer. He's such a good scorer. Like he's not averaging the 30 points per game or whatever that um, some of these other guys are, but he's more than capable of doing that. He's averaged 26 plus in years past, and he's averaging like 25, 24 this year. But while but he's doing that at the most efficient rate he's done in his entire career, he's averaging 69% true shooting, which is unreal. It's literally some of the best true shooting numbers we've seen on at this high volume of all time. Like it's, it's really, really nice. And he's just, he's, he's really good. And his defense isn't even bad. Like people will say like, Oh, Nikola Jokic, he's not a great defender. He's like a lie. He can be a liability on that end, but no, he's got really quick hands. He's a big body to body up defenders in the um, offensive players in the post. And I don't know. I really like Nikola Jokic's game. He's just a really fun player to watch and he's leading this Nuggets team. Yeah, for me at number two, I've got Giannis. Um, I'm not even onto uh, Kumpo. Ante, ante that's, you, that's can you can say yeah, it. You can say it. Yeah, you can say it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. If you, if you um, can't I say got... it at this point, Cooper, Giannis has been in the league too long, too yeah. successful. You've got to be able to say his name. <laughs> uh, I got the Greek freak at number two. Um, probably the most dominant player in the NBA right now. Um, I, he he can bring the ball up. He can back down people in the post. He can run the fast break. Uh, the only thing he really can't do is shoot threes. Um but he's obviously a defensive player of the year candidate year in and year out. And yeah, I think the only thing that really holds me back from uh, putting him at number one is the fact that in years past, um, I don't know as much of this year because Middleton's been hurt, but in years past uh, when the Bucks had were down late game or tied late game, the person, the player that they would have taking their late game shots wouldn't be honest. It would be Chris Middleton. And um I think that Giannis has got to show that he can close out games um, a little bit more before I can put him at number one. Um, my number one is the slowest, but also the baddest white man in the NBA, uh, Luka Doncic. Um, I I know that he he is very ball dominant, and the offense is uh, stagnant at times. He also cannot run to save his life. Um, <laughs> 
But the things he's able to do, you know, offensively, he's leading his team in rebounding. Um, you know, obviously the assists are there and the scoring. Um, you know, the way he's able to put his team on his back, um, you know, and, um, you know, put him in a position to, you know, be in the playoffs is, um, is pretty remarkable. And, I, you know, I don't think when you look at, everything that he's doing on the offensive end. You know, Jokic comes, you know, pretty close to it. But, you know, Luka with his scoring prowess, I think, supersedes it. Definitely. And so my number one is going to be Giannis. Oh, Jokic in your top. No. Go on, go on. Um, Giannis is the most dominant player in the NBA right now. He can't really be guarded. The only way you can guard him is by trying to take charges from him. But no one wants to do that because then they're going to be injured for like three weeks. It's just a group. Like, it's unbelievable. He can do everything on both sides of the floor besides for shoot. But I, th- he's developing it really well over the years. He's working on it. And I think in a few years, he's going to be unstoppable because I think he'll be able to have a, a – Decently consistent three point shot, and I think that will really help out that Bucks team. Yeah, so I'm agreeing with that. I'm putting Giannis as my best player in basketball, um, mostly because he's basically just me on the court. If I'm being completely honest, um, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, okay. Um, White man can't joke. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, Giannis is extremely dominant. He's on both ends of the floor, incredible defender, and pushes the pace, uh, the pace on offense and is able to just bully his way through anybody. And his mid-range game is evolving too, which is forcing people to um, actually have to guard him out there and just makes him a more versatile threat. Like, yeah, he doesn't have the three-point shot yet. And honestly, his efficiency is down this year, um, which is a little bit concerning because his free throw shooting and his three-point shot is less consistent than it has been in years past. Um, But I still think he's dominant enough on both ends of the floor that I want to have him up there. Plus... Plus, I just like Giannis, so he's my number one player. Right. Um, for to close out all of our lists, um, at number one for me, I've got the best scorer in NBA history. Um, he can do it all on offense. He can drive in. He can shoot the mid range. He can shoot the three. Got the slim reaper, Kevin Durant. Interesting. Um, interesting. By by far the best offensive player in the NBA. Um, Kevin Durant uh, carries, absolutely carries this Nets team when he's out there on the floor. Um, With his recent injury, you can really see the impact that he makes on his team's success because ever since he's gone down with that injury, this Nets team has just looked not not good at all. Um, And they've been losing to bad teams. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I mean... Kevin Durant, a couple of years ago when he ruptured his Achilles, people were talking about how there was a chance that he would never walk again. He would never be able to run again. He would never be able to jump again. And he rehabbed from that injury and came back even better than he was before. So I think that's pretty impressive. Um, I don't have any um, gripes with putting Kevin Durant at number one, but my only issue is, you know, there is a guy named Michael Jeffrey Jordan, right? Ten scoring titles. Um, just saying, boy, probably Malik. is the greatest scorer of number all two. time. Number two. Number two. Okay. Number one. Okay. Number one. Number one. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. 
Also, you said that he was the best offensive player in basketball right now. Uh, I, I don't know about that. I'd, I'd say that Jokic is a better offensive player if you because of he's more efficient. He's uh, he doesn't have quite the volume. KD can literally do everything he wants, like anything. He's not the passer that Jokic is, though. That's Yo- fair. That's Jok- fair. Jokic's passing is overrated. Chill out. Okay, 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 that. Mr. Jokic, not in the top five. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know if that. I don't even know yeah, if you're. Can you explain p- that? Yeah. How could you possibly justify that? So my reasoning for Jokic not being in my top five is the team that is around him is the second best built team in the NBA, in my opinion, with having just everything Jokic needs around him. He has shooters. He's got people who can play faster. And he's able to just dot, he's just able to sit in the paint because their team is able to space it out. And I don't think he is as good of a scorer as Giannis, Curry, Katie, Luca, or LeBron. I think, and my big thing is NBA players now, it's majority about scoring. Like, you need to do most and everything in the NBA, but if you're a better scorer, you're going to be more viewed better in my eye because scores are what wins you championships. Past years, LeBron, Jason Tatum, Giannis, Curry, Durant. Before that, you had Jordan, you had Kobe, you had Duncan. That's a very unconventional one, to be honest, but that team was just run too perfectly to not win championships. Shaq, um, and just Magic? Magic, yep, Bird. I mean, there's a bunch of names I'm going to forget about right now, but I think him not being as I don't think he's a good enough scorer to be in my top five because I think scoring is the most important part of basketball right now with the with the games involving. So that's the reason why. And also, he's got a giant nose and he's way too fat. What? <laughs> <laughs> he's way too fat. Okay, there's oh no God. world where the, someone that fat should be playing in the NBA. Okay, <laughs> Shaq got that fat and he became terrible. If Yogi slowed down, he... he'd be even more dominant. I think he'd be in my top five. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I'd agree with you about the importance of scoring right now in the NBA, but I just think that the the volume at which Jokic is creating for his teammates, he doesn't really need to score that much because he's able to create that much for his teammates. And he kind of just outlined it. I mean, you know, the shooters that they have, you know, Michael Porter Jr., uh, KCP right now for shooting 45% from three, but the Lakers um, regret that decision. Um, but, you know, everything. because they have all of the shooters around Jokic, he, he, he's able to create at such a volume. And, I mean, Aaron Gordon's having career year, but in a large part, that is because of Jokic. The looks that he's able to get him, you know, in the paint, um, you know, that's – he is making his teammates better. And I would say if you look at overall points created, Jokic would probably be somewhere in the top five because of just the amount of points he's able to create based off assists. Um, to add on to that point, Malik, Jokic, the reason he's not having the volume, like the the reason he's not having the volume that these other scorers have, like he's not averaging that 30, 30 points per game, 33 that KD's averaging, the 33 that Luka's averaging, 33 that Embiid's averaging or whatever. He's averaging 25 points per game on 69% true shooting. And that efficiency right there shows that he's capable of just getting getting any bucket he wants whenever whenever he wants it. And he's just making the right play and the right decision every single play. The Nuggets right now are the sixth highest scoring team in the league, but also the number one 
most efficient team in the league um, with a 50.9% field goal percentage, which is number one, like I said, and the number one three-point shooting team with 39.9% per game. And you might say, oh, that's just because his... Um, that's just because his team around him is really good. Yeah, the team around him is good, but you know who makes his teammates even better because of that? Jokic. Jokic is the one who's finding his teammates for easy looks, finding cutters, finding skip passes, finding all these incredible um, ways to deliver his teammates the ball efficiently that he's able to run. I, I, w- I would argue that the Nuggets are the best offense in basketball right now with their volume paired with their um paired with their efficiency. And because of that, they're the, they're atop the Western Conference right now. Jokic is a two-time MVP for a reason, and I think he has a better argument for being the best player in basketball than outside the top five. Easily. Um, and then one other thing I'm actually going to add to my take is he comes up short in the playoffs, and playoffs are a huge thing for me. All these people I have in my top five are huge playoff performers. Jokic isn't a huge playoff performer. He's lost both years by before the second second round or earlier. I think if you're a top five player, you should be able to take your team at least past the second round consistently. But I mean, that's just me. All this score but I mean, you're talking about score. He has been past the second round, technically speaking. I mean he has been to Western Conference finals. And you said that all the players in your top five perform in the playoffs, but I mean one Indeed. of the guys that you said is four and six in the finals. So I don't yeah, and, yeah, and I also, guess what? He's made the finals ten times. I mean, <laughs> that's performing in the playoffs. He has the most points. I think he's either first or second points per games in the playoffs. Like, you're not going to tell me LeBron is in a top two playoff I performer think he's of all sixth time. In points per game in the playoffs, but he is first overall in total points scored. Okay, and also but, you're talking yeah. about how scoring is what wins you games, and how you want a guy that's going to score score you points in the playoffs to win. The series literally last year in the playoffs, Jokic averaged thirty-one points per game on one of them on fifty-eight percent shoot on fifty-eight percent field goal percentage. He's getting guarded by Kevon Looney, okay, and Draymond Green. <laughs> okay, Draymond Green's an Draymond's old a good goat. defender. Okay, okay, yeah, Draymond literally won a defensive Sorry, player of the donkey. year and was a old top donkey. five defender in basketball last year. <laughs> and he averaged in and in the year before that against Portland, he averaged thirty-three points per game in the playoffs. And then the year before that against Phoenix, he averaged 25. So, yeah, it's a little less, but still very, very good numbers. Like He can score the ball very on high volume and high efficiency, and he leads one of the best offenses in basketball. I just just don't understand the argument for him outside the top five. Like, the only argument, the only legitimate argument that you said was the fact that you think he's ugly and slow. (laughs) And, like, that doesn't matter. So... Um, I do want to give out some honorable mentions. Jason Tatum definitely should be considered for top five. Why are you laughing at Jason Tatum? No, I'm not you laughing. I totally changed I'm the subject. Yeah. I'm just laughing right. at the fact that you just, I just, I'm just putting out all these valid points that you're just like, okay, I mean, so anyways. It's never going to go anyway. That's fine. That's, That's the fine. reason why, because yeah. I'm not going to change my mind, so there's no point in arguing about it. Uh, Jason Tatum should be honorable mention. He's playing great this year. He's starting to slow down a little bit compared to what he was doing at the beginning of the year, but the team is still going to be dominant in the playoffs, and I think they can make it back to the finals definitely out of the East, but it's going to be tough because the East this year is looking very, very good. Um, Joel Embiid, I 
he's just outside of it for me. I just, I wanted to put him in there. I just, I couldn't put him over certain guys. And is there anyone else I'm missing that could be honorable mention for the play? I think that those, five? I think those maybe, seven guys. Maybe th- this is a little bit of a stretch. Um, but if you just considered this season, maybe Ja, just maybe it's a little bit debatable, but. I think Zion, Zion's getting up there. Yeah, I think, Zion's getting up there. I would argue that the first guy out, like, I think the top seven, okay, I have my list pulled up right here. I think the top seven guys are in, in, any, order. in any order. Giannis, Jokic, Curry, Doncic, Durant, Embiid, Tatum. And then I think that the eighth LeBron guy. LeBron at eight. No, eight. no. I think that the eighth guy, first man out of that list is Donovan Mitchell. I think that Donovan yeah. Mitchell, it's just incredible. Yeah, you don't drop a, a 70 point willing your team to yeah. victory in Bulls overtime. got screwed over, but that's uh, a yeah. I mean, the Bulls don't have a Bulls. perimeter defender right now, so Caruso is overrated as a perimeter defender, that's for sure. He was so great, he wouldn't have let Donovan Mitchell drop 71. Did he even play in that game? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did. I want to look, I want to see if I can know. find this. Yeah, well, um. Yeah, we're getting we're getting a little low on time right here. So if anyone has any like closing statements, things that they wanted to say that they didn't get a chance to, now's your chance. If not, I can just close this out. Alex yeah. Crusoe played seventeen minutes in that game. <clears throat> Maybe that's the reason why he scored seventy one. Who knows? Who knows? Um, oh wait, no, that was a different game. Whoops. <laughs> That was the first time they met. Okay, here's the one. Let's see how much he played. He, uh, Alex Russo played 22 minutes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's just because it was overtime, so he just played an extra five minutes. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Anyways, um, anything got any? any blah, anybody have anything to add? Uh, I think we're good. I'm at least yeah. good. I'm good too. All right. Perfect. Well. Uh, thank you, Malik and Ryan, for coming onto the show. You'll hopefully we'll have you back on at some point because this was this was a really good episode. I think we got some really funny, our funny really our funniest. Episode. Yeah, definitely our funniest <laughs> episode. We got some really good moments. We got some really good debate, some hot takes. Just having these extra opinions in there just definitely <laughs> makes it more interesting. So yep. yeah, we'd love to have you on some other time probably. And yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you for listening. Please check us out on Instagram and uh youtube and spotify and thank you yeah for sure and um if you want to be the next guest to come on um comment down below on the youtube comment on our instagram um get in touch with us just let us know uh thank you guys for watching listening however you're taking this in um and we'll catch you guys next time appreciate you guys having us on yeah of course thank you for having us on for sure of course all right thank you Thank you.